the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. If you are familiar with the old hymn, The Solid Rock, On Christ the Solid Rock, Upon Which I Stand, All Other Ground is Sinking Sand, that uh, is certainly not only a good theme upon which to live and build one's life, but that also is the heart of the Rock Church located in Danville. And to tell us more about this ministry, we're joined by Senior Pastor of the Rock, Pastor Rick Fry. Pastor Fry, welcome. Good to have you with us today. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. We'd like to take an opportunity to just kind of share with our listeners a bit about the background of the church, what God is doing in Danville, in the hearts of the folks in your congregation, and a bit, too, about your own vision for the San Francisco Bay Area. So let, let's start with the easy part, a little bit about yeah. you and your background. Tell us, how did you come to get involved in full-time ministry? So I was a long-haired hippie in, 19, in, the, in the early 80s, and I was raised in church, uh, came to Jesus when I was five and really was captivated by the Lord at an early age. Kind of fell off the wagon a little in, in my freshman year. Uh, I'm a musician, so I was playing in a secular band with a bunch of 20-year-olds when I was 13, 14. And um, that lasted not very long. Uh, and then I went to a camp and the Lord just did a, a work in me at this camp at the age of 15 and I, I just dove right in to church life and, and prayer and seeking God and the word. Then um, probably when I turned 17, our, my mom and dad were in a very small four-square church. And they asked me if I would start a youth group there. And so I started a youth group. And the youth group grew to about 80 kids and the church was about 50 people in the middle of nowhere. And so then that pastor moved to, to Lodi, California, and then he hired me full time right before my 18th birthday. So I lived in I was there about five years. And, and then just throughout the years, I've been doing this since. Well, let's see, I'm going to be 56 and I started at 17. So that's how it, how it started out. Youth ministry for almost probably 18 years. I did youth ministry, traveling. Uh, speaking all over, doing tons of camps and conferences for youth, and then became a senior pastor uh, in Burbank, California, our second oldest four-square church. Uh, Amy said, go to the end of the trolley line and plant the next church, and that was Burbank. So I was there uh, for about eight and a half years. Then I went to Colorado uh, to pastor a church, left there and went to... um, uh, Pomona to help a friend build a house of prayer and and a kind of a ministry school for eighteen to twenty five year olds and then then that's how I ended up here uh, in in Danville so I've been here about well, going on twelve years I started out as they hired me as the worship guy and the pastor said I'm retiring in five years and people said you'd be a great uh, person to take my place and I was like well five years is a long time you might not like me at the end of five years. 
So I, I was the worship leader. And as soon as I got here, I think it was five months in, he just told me, you're supposed to be the guy I'm, I'm, re- I'm retiring and, and leaving. So that's how that happened. You know, what strikes me about your personal story is the impact that youth ministry had at a very early age, early on in your life. Yeah. Speak to that, if you would. I, I'm struck by, for example, in the news recently, there's been yet another story of youth violence. This time, a big fight breaking out at a mall up in San Francisco. It seems not a day goes by that we don't read something in the news. The age of kids and the kind of trouble that they're getting into seems to get younger and younger and younger. And of course, the influences of the world around us between some of the music and some of the entertainment and the fact that it seems that violence is the theme of everything, be it video games, television, movies, whatever it is that kids are consuming to distract them. Even some of the videos that they're making on TikTok oftentimes have to tend to have a bit of a violent angle to them. And I'm just wondering if all of this really underscores, in your viewpoint, Pastor Fry, the critical importance of youth ministry and for the church to be actively out there in the highways and byways, so to speak. And as we talk about compelling them to come in, that first and foremost, to think about what's going on in society today and the impact on our youth. Yeah, I did, I did youth ministry for 18 solid years, and then I, I spoke in conferences even past that as a senior pastor for youth. And our youth group up in Olympia, Washington, that I had was, I mean, we had 700 kids in that youth group. And there was, I think we had 2,400 salvations in a matter of 16 months. And part of the, the problem that I've seen that's uh, we're, we're obviously inundated by so much everything's so quick these kids have their phones they can see everything everyone wants to have a make a million dollars on youtube and tiktok and so they're willing to do things that they normally wouldn't do to get a like and to get get people to view their stuff the problem is what i've seen that i think is a major problem in the church is we've kind of left the gospel a little bit and we're, there's no there's no power anymore. There's no calling people to a sold out life for Jesus. And so I think I think in, our, in my my ministry with youth, I called them to a a radical relationship with Jesus and and the pursuing of God. That's the vision of our church. Our church is pursue, equip, reach. That you know, if you don't pursue God, you know, He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And you, our, our, our basic call here at the church is the great commandment and the great commission to love God and to go reach the world. And the equipping component builds both of those avenues. And I, I've just watched, even since COVID, I've just watched people kind of back away from the word and the gospel to try to accommodate culture. And, and, it loses power. And so I think a lot of the problem I'm seeing is that we're, we're not giving a message anymore of, of commitment and being sold out. We're giving a message of, oh, you can kind of do what you want and you're okay. Everything's great. And then when you have, a, when you have society telling our kids all these lies and we're not telling them the truth, this is what we end up with. 
And it, it's a challenge for the church. I mean, I, I think about the it frustrations is. that our parents had and our grandparents had in raising our parents. Uh, you know, it, it might be the influence of the bad kid down the street, so to speak, but they could control things like television viewing. You know, I, I right. had limitations. Right. I, I remember one time as a kid, I got into trouble and my dad said, that's okay. That's enough of the TV. And he actually went into my bedroom and cut the cord. <laughs> maybe, yeah. one, maybe one of the earliest cord cutters, even though it wasn't connected to cable. <laughs> at the time it was the rabbit ears with the with the aluminum foil on it but oh, my yeah. point is that parents i think perhaps feel ill-equipped and overwhelmed trying to compete with what's going on in social media and in culture and society in general today yeah. coupled with it, the fact that unlike our parents generation where oftentimes there was at least one full-time stay-at-home parent. We have more single-parent families that are struggling to make ends meet. In a place like the Bay Area, oftentimes these parents are even working two jobs, and so they see right. the kids on occasion. And so the television set, the the PS5, the cell phone become sort of substitute babysitters, and I think that we, we don't fully realize the implications of what ha- what's happening to our kids, the kind of influence that's taking place, and and as you point out, almost a surrendering to the culture, the sense that, well, if you can't beat them, join them. And we've even seen this kind of yeah. creep into some aspect of the church, haven't we? Yes. So, I mean, think about when, you know, when I was a teenager, there, I don't think I had my first cell phone until I was 21 years old. And it was in a bag. You had to carry it around with you. You know, and you could feel the cancer in the car when you're driving, just radiating from this thing. And nowadays... There's, we, we live and die by the screen so much. I mean, kids are, you know, you just go to a restaurant and watch families. They're, they're all on their phones. No one's talking. And, you know, the accessibility of stuff that you and I could never have when we were 15, 14, 13, 12, is now just right there on their phones. And I think it's time, you know, even in my personal life, I watch my screen time a lot. I don't want to be on my iPhone all the time and on my iPad because I feel like it, it, there is so much stuff that's so bad. I mean, I, I watch it and I'm like, man, I don't even want to, I don't even want to look at this. This is, this is horrible. This is grieving to the Holy Spirit. So I, I think parents just need to be encouraged to be the parent and not let the kid be the parent. But they be the parent and say, I'm putting my foot down. This is not going to happen. Our conversation today with Pastor Rick Fry, Senior Pastor at the Rock Church of Danville. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of the dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Rick Fry from the Rock Church of Danville. Pastor Fry, let's return to our conversation now. Does it become incumbent upon parents to take an even more proactive approach than maybe even our own parents? And I, and I pose that question because my generation, your generation, if we wanted to get into trouble, if we wanted to be exposed to things that were unseemly, you had to go out right. and find it. You had to go to that yeah. part of town. Today, yeah. a child can be innocently at home. And, right. you know, even a toddler grabs mom or dad's phone and they either order, you know, $10,000 worth of pizza online <laughs> or they wind up getting exposed to material that now comes to them. And That's it right. seems as if, boy, the, the challenges of parenting have increased exponentially, which then, in my mind, would suggest that parents need to assert themselves into yeah. their children's lives 
so much earlier and to be present so much more, even unlike the generation of, of our parents. You got it. It's exactly right. You have to. You have to. I, I think the Internet, the controls on the Internet, you got to make sure that you're set up safe and conversation with your child. You know, our church has been tackling um, over the last probably couple of years, but really this year we've hit it really hard. We're doing a, a course called Sexual Integrity for teenagers uh, and for the adults. And it's a, just recovery from porn addiction. And because I don't, I don't feel like until the church gets a handle on this, we're really going to see the, the true revival we're waiting for. Uh, you know, when they say 70% of a, of, an, of a congregation is battling pornography, that's a huge number. So we're really being proactive to, 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 to grab this thing and handle it in a good way, in a safe way, in a, in a biblical way, and in an honest way to help people recover. Do we also need to see greater forms of um, generational connectivity? And I ask that question because there are some churches, certainly not all, but there are some churches that kind of take the approach. Well, we've established a, a youth ministry. And so at a certain time in the service, we send the kids off and they go do their thing and the parents go do theirs. We have a far more mobile population than even our parents did. And so the likelihood of growing up very near your grandparents where you might have contact with them if exactly. weekly, daily, as I did. I saw my grandmother growing up as a kid every single day. There were three generations that were consistently together until I reached the age and eventually moved out of the house. But I'm wondering if that, that sense of connectivity that we've lost is kind of oh, yeah. contributing to all of this and then exacerbating it is, as we kind of touched on a moment ago, the sense that maybe the church to some degree has kind of waved the white flag and decided, you know sure. what, if we can't beat them, let's in a fashion join them. At least they're still showing up, even though they may yeah. not be in the word, they may not be true disciples. And 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 as a result, it, it almost leads me to wonder if we lose our youth. And I want to be careful here because I understand that at the end of the day, God is the one that is still in control. Right. But I have to wonder if as an American society... If we lose our young people, are we at risk of losing a nation? Of course. Yeah, I think that's what's been happening for the past, I would say, 20, 30, 40 years. It's been this slow creeping away from biblical foundation. And, I, you know, it's somebody said to me, well, Jesus, you know, he hung out with, you know, prostitutes and he hung out with, you know, the, the tax collectors. And I said, that's true. But he changed them. They didn't change him, right? It's that old saying. And so I think we we have to get back to the the word of God and the gospel. That, that has to be the center focus again. And in our church, I mean, if you came to our service, we, we don't mince words and we're, we're not looking for a fight at any by any means, but... We are preaching scripture and teaching what the Bible says. And it's amazing what we've watched during COVID even. We watched people start to flock to the church. And we're seeing it even now. We're seeing 15 to 30 salvations a weekend for the last four or five months. People are flocking because they're hungry to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the the watered-down stuff. It's, and you don't have to be angry, and you don't have to be condemning. But, man, we've got to... 
You know, the, the Bible says, Jesus said we are salt and light. And when, when the church loses salt and light, we have nothing left to offer people but to, to join them in their misery. And so when we preach the word, it is salt and light. And the problem, I think, too, with the church is evangelistic focus is wonderful, but the church also needs to be a place where salt and light happens, where the, the believers come in and they get encouraged and filled with, with um, the spirit and the word of God. And that's what changes hearts. And we're seeing it. We're seeing young people flock. We're seeing college kids flock. We're seeing old people come. We're seeing all races come because there's the reality of the word of God being preached. And they want that in uncertain times. Our name, the rock is based on Matthew seven twenty four. You build your house on my words. You'll be a rock in these times of the storm hit both of them, right? The storm hit both houses. The wind hit both houses. But the outcome was different because of what had happened in the secret place of getting the word in you. And our, our emphasis heavily, we have prayer and worship um, every day. Our sanctuary is open for seven hours. People come in, uh, in and out all day. And then every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in the morning and in the evening of Wednesday, we have live prayer and worship with full bands, and we pray for an hour. And that has been just, we've watched tremendous breakthrough. We've seen physical healing, cancer healings, crazy, wild stories of, a lady, this just happened. She went to the doctor. She's having stomach pain. She has young children, and they found a tumor like, like a cantaloupe. And she came to the church and was like, who's going to take care of my kids? And our team prayed for her upstairs here in our offices. Nothing dramatic, just prayed over her. Um, and she went to have surgery that Monday. And they cut her open and could not find the tumor. Yeah, this just happened a week and a half ago. We had another cancer healing. So it's where the spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. So when we take our focus off of worship and prayer and we put it on simply, I'll say it this way. In the Old Testament, people came to church to an altar to meet with God. And I think what's happened in our days, people come to a stage to see who's preaching. They come to a stage to see who's singing and they come to a church to see if the slurping machine's working in the foyer, right? So our goal is we are all about pursuing God, seeking him, prayer, worship, because we want people to come meet with God. We even tell people, if you're coming, they want to have counseling. We're like, we'll, we'll find somebody to counsel you, but you need to go to the prayer room for two weeks before we'll even, because we want them in the presence of the Lord. That's where healing comes from and strength and in the word. You know, what strikes me as you were sharing, Pastor, about some of the things that God has been doing at Rock Church, there may be those eavesdropping on our conversation that are thinking, what kind of crazy radical stuff is going on? over at the Rock in Danville. Did you hear what's happening there? And yep. I hate to say it, and, 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 and please don't feel as if I'm kind of taking the, the, the wind out of your sails, but my answer would be normative Christianity, New Testament Christianity. I mean, 
This is ironically exactly what God intended to do, to be actively involved in the day-to-day life of his people, to show That's his right. love, to, to, to demonstrate his love through the commonplace as well as in the rarefied air of the miraculous, and right. to use each and every one of us then as his disciples to be agents of change in the world I, around us. I, you know, I, I often well, think with absolute wonder, look at the 12 crazy people that when yeah. Christ went up to yeah. heaven after he was resurrected, he said, okay, yeah. you 12 are in charge, go get the job done. Now, if they had submitted resumes for those positions, I, there's not a pulpit committee in the world <laughs> right. that would have approved well, any of them. And yet, here we sit, more than two centuries later, on the shoulders of their spiritual legacy because of one thing they learned in watching Christ and then mimicking him, being his disciples, they learned what it meant to be delivering the message and to be agents of change empowered by the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's maybe that's kind of the secret sauce, perhaps, that the church is missing today, that we want to be more spectators of Christianity as well as as opposed to full fledged participants. Yeah, our our goal is to make the the uninvolved member a little uncomfortable. Not not, it's you know, it's I want to say this right, because. I, I don't want to come off judgmental, but we have, we have pastors come visit all the time. They fly in from out of state and they come and see our prayer room and they hear what's going on. And they, they, I mean, we've literally had UPS delivery guys walk into our lobby and open the sanctuary door to deliver a package and start crying. And they're, they're like, I don't know what I'm feeling. And we, we've, we've seen where, where the spirit of the Lord is miraculous things happen and I think the church has and and I want to say this carefully but I feel like we've traded power for sophistication we we want to be I just was talking to one of our district officials he called me and I said the problem with being I love I mean I think education is great the problem when all we focus on is education and there's no anointing and there's no more power and really believing the gospel, all we end up with are people that want to negotiate with the enemy. Mm. How do we, we, these people that are broken, these people that are wounded, these people that are in bondage, let's just negotiate with their issues. Instead of going, hey man, we believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he really defeated stuff. And that he really sits at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit really is here. And it doesn't have to be spooky church. It, it, there's there's authority in the name of Jesus with his believers. So we, we have a three-level discipleship program that we take people through that is bar none the best I've ever seen. One of our guys on staff, Dr. Billy, uh, wrote this, took him 10 years. And it really gets people into their identity, healing their broken hearts, because there's a lot of unhealthy, emotional unhealthy believers and then the third one is really getting them activated in how God wants to use them. And we're seeing our we're seeing our church out winning people for Christ in the mall, on the streets, in their jobs. We're watching. I just had a guy. He laid hands on a sick person uh, that has cancer in their neighborhood, and the lady came back to him and said, "I don't know what you did, but I went to the doctor, and they can't find my cancer." And I'm, this just happened two weeks ago. This is a guy that's a mechanic. He's not a pastor. So that's our goal. 
Our conversation today with Pastor Rick Fry, Senior Pastor at the Rock Church of Danville. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of the dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Rick Fry from the Rock Church of Danville. Pastor Fry, as we return to the conversation, I wonder if perhaps part of the challenge here is that we have... We're, we're living a defeated life because we've essentially surrendered to the yes. enemy. Is there is that is that kind of a fair summation of part of the challenge that the the church, the overall body of Christ, is is facing these days? Yeah, I think I think I think COVID, and, and I, you know, and I may be wrong. People may disagree, but I think COVID was a bit of a sifting process. It, it kind of showed us where our faith really was and what we really believed about the gospel and the church's responsibility. And it was a tough, tough season. I mean, many churches closed. Many pastors are dealing with discouragement. And our our heart has been, you know, we have a lot of pastors that come in. We have pastors right now in our sanctuary, probably 65 pastors in their meeting, uh, and our heart is to encourage them to get back to what they knew, like the when they first got saved. No one, when they first got saved, and got called in the ministry. Like, wow, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go pastor people, and it's gonna be a nightmare. We, we were, we were, we had hope. We were filled with hope and love. And the problem is that most pastors, when they they love the people, you know, love the Lord your God first. Second is like it, love your neighbor. We get that inverted, and we we want to take care of people so well and love people so well. And then our prayer life and our time in the Word gets way down on the ladder. And then over time, that's the recipe for burnout. And and then the problem is you're not even loving people well anymore. You're just trying to gather them together. Instead. So when we get that in the right place where we're pursuing God, we fall in love with Jesus every day. It's much easier to go minister to people and to love people because we're we've been in His presence. And I would imagine too, you know, it's easy, particularly you know, we, we live in a culture and society today that the art stick always seems to be by the numbers, and by that I mean the success of a business is based on your sales. A success yes. of a baseball team is how many games that you've won. And for many pastors, the success of the church is well, how many were there on Sunday morning, without giving a lot of thought to the caliber or quality of the individuals there. And you know, back to my earlier example. 12 individuals handpicked by Jesus himself literally set the world on its head. Here we are 2,000 years later still talking about it. <laughs> it yeah. absolutely amazes me. And, and I think at the end of the day, if we're willing to simply trust God, take him at his word, be that salt and that light, that, that proclamation of truth and the good news and the preservative that we're called to be to help kind of hold society together while we're dealing with all of the impact of sin nature about us and, mm-hmm. and simply allow the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit and to really understand what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus. That doesn't mean just showing up to church on Sunday because that's what you've always done. That's what mom and dad did. But rather that you're living out your faith seven days a week so that the culmination of the week is the recharging of the batteries on Sundays, not just a sliver of your week in which you get to play Christian for a couple of hours and then go back to 
living however you live. I, I, I think we've, we've kind of had things on its head, haven't we, in terms of what our priorities yeah. have been and the way in which we have sadly, I think, falsely and, and much to the enemy's delight, used a measurement of our success. Yeah, I think the, I tell our staff all the time and our church, I say it to our church, Jesus said, make disciples, not attenders. And so we're, we're, our goal is to get people through discipleship. You don't eat one, one day a week, right? I tell our people, That's right. this, is, this is the time to come together and encourage each other. If you're looking at me to be the only person that feeds you, you're in trouble. So we, our goal is to make disciples, not attenders. We don't want fans. We want followers of Jesus. And I, I think the numbers issue is a big deal. Matter of fact, in our church, we have our finance department that's up away from me. I don't have a key to that place. I don't even go over there very often. And my executive pastor, Jen, she keeps pulse of what's going on with children's ministries and numbers. I don't ask. I don't even... I don't know. You, you, I don't, right now, I'm not sure how many people uh, attend our church. I couldn't give you a number. Um, I just look out and go out. There's a lot of people here. And the reason why I do that is because I don't, I've been doing this a long time. When you get into the numbers alone game, because numbers tell a story, but they don't tell the whole story. Right. Right? Tumors grow. Just because something's growing doesn't indicate that it's healthy. And so, I keep out of that. I hear the numbers maybe three or four times a year. And because if I let my heart get wrapped up into that, it pulls me away from my mission. It pulls me away from my calling. And I start to believe that the goal is just to build a big church. And then I don't build big people. Mm. I, I heard a pastor once many years ago put it this way. I'm very concerned about the numbers. In fact, I'm all about the numbers. But there's only one number I'm concerned with. And, of course, at that point, all ears are perked up. Is sure. it how much the offering plate brought in on Sunday? Is it Sunday school attendance? Is it Sunday morning worship attendance? What exa- Is it how, how far the red line is on the thermometer toward the building fund? What number is it? And after he had... Everybody in the edge of their seat, they said, the only number I'm concerned with is number one. That's Jesus. And if I'm focused on him, serving him, loving him, proclaiming him, following him, and making disciples for him, everything else takes care of itself. And I think maybe that's that's the big number we all should be focusing on. Amen. That is is our heart and goal. Uh, That's why we're so committed to prayer and worship. Um, it is, you know, if you came to our church, you're going to hear about prayer and worship a lot. It's going to be weaved in just about every message because getting people into the presence of the Lord um, is the most, I always say this, I can't remember who said this. Somebody back in, in the day said this, that you can tell the health of a church by how many people come to the prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can have a church of 3,000 people and you have 12 people show up to the prayer meeting. And our goal has been to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people showing up for prayer every week to seek the Lord. And we're seeing um, a fantastic, amazing breakthrough. And I blame it all on our, the, the prayer life of the church and the worship life of the church. We're just not that good and we're just not that smart. 
it's it's the, it's the Lord doing a work, and we're agreeing with Him in prayer. I love it. So essentially a, a 21st century church that's still living out the ideals of the first century church. Uh, and and if folks who don't understand what that means, I, I, I encourage you to spend some time in the New Testament, uh, particularly focus some time in the book of Acts, and you'll get a better understanding of exactly yeah. what that means. Amen. Well, the, the, the reality of, if you study, I studied a bunch of revivals, past revivals that were bonafide real revivals, all of them. All of them. Not there's not one that didn't start out in prayer and fasting. All of ten people in a barn, you know, this this guy with five friends praying and fasting. And and that's just the model. And you look at it in scripture, that's what they did. They prayed. They prayed all the time. Paul was like, pray without ceasing, pray. Not not to earn something. I always say prayer and worship is not an earning mode, it's a yearning mode. I want to long for God. I want to, I want to agree with His Word. I want to get in His presence and and have Him show me who I am in His Word and and prayer. And I'll tell you, it's trans, it transforms. Our conversation today with Pastor Rick Fry, Senior Pastor at the Rock Church of Danville. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of the dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Rick Fry from the Rock Church of Danville. Pastor Fry, let's pick things up where we left off just a moment ago. Your comment about the importance of of prayer as sort of the catalyst for revival reminds me of an event that some folks will read about in the history books, uh, the great Azusa Street Revival down in Southern California, that ironically, in many ways, sort of laid the the pavement, sort of uh, paved the way, so to speak, uh, for the ministry of Foursquare Church, which this year celebrates 100 years. And I know, Pastor, it's, it's... Kind of sort of a, a mixed year in the sense that while Foursquare is celebrating 100 years of ministry, ironically, it was just earlier this year that one of the, the brighter lights of the Church of the Foursquare, uh, Pastor Jack Hayford, uh, went yep. to be with the Lord. And of course, many, many of our listeners remember fondly Pastor Jack's radio program on KFAX and the impact that uh, both he and that ministry has had on their lives. Speak, if you would, to uh, a little bit of the, the importance of this uh, this. 100 year centarian milestone yeah i i've uh i've been having lots of conversation with our denominational leaders lately about where foursquare is and what what the lord is doing and the thing we all agree on we have to get back to what birthed us we have to get back to um I just say it. I mean, it's very simple. It's the word, prayer, worship, seeking God, believing that he can move mountains and really change people's lives. So I think this this hundred year mark for me is a is a do it again, Lord. That's that's what I would say in just a nutshell. And, you know, with Pastor Jack, um, when I was in Burbank pastoring, Jack was in church on the way. So we were 20 minutes apart and he was our when we broke up into 70 districts, he was my district supervisor and I was his divisional superintendent. And, uh, I mean, what a powerful man. What just stuck to the word, you know, the word and the spirit. I always say, 
we, we can't have either or. And the, prob- the problem is there are denominations that are all spirit, and you do that, you get kind of spooky. You go all word and you get kind of dry. It's like being at the Italian uh, the Italian restaurant and they bring you the bread, but they don't bring you the oil with the goodies in it. I want both. Absolutely. I, I want to dip that bread in some oil. So I think that's what Pastor Jack modeled very well in a very balanced, healthy way. So I'm, I'm grateful for his pioneering and blazing a trail. But I think the problem right now is we have to get back to that because revivals and moves of God are always messy and everyone wants a pristine um, movement. And I'm like, it, it's not, it's not going to happen where there are, where, where there's no ox, the stall is clean. When we're having revival, there's going to be some messes and we have to be okay with, we're going to have to, we're going to have to teach people. We're going to have to help people that are, you know, that go off either way, left or right. We have to help direct and pastor and shepherd. And I think that's what Jack did very well. And especially if you if you, you see as the results, the fruit of a revival is, of course, a major uptick in new believers. Well, these need, believers Amen. need to be grounded in the word. They mean to be taught how to study yes. the word, how to pray, how to live out their faith, what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus and the process of them in turn learning to make other disciples. And so that, that right. really goes back to the heart of the, the, the issue of the importance of prayer and worship and being on our face before God and not singularly saying, well, Lord, we're just waiting on you. How many of the church today have been waiting years, decades for God to move? And God says, wait a minute, I gave you my word. I gave you my son. I gave you my spirit. And the the fields are ripe unto harvest. We just need some more laborers. Get out there, pray and do. And I think the notion of of really, you know, looking at the history of the Church of the Foursquare Gospel and and its genesis, its roots that came on the heels of the Azusa Street um, revival that lasted, you know, the early portion of the last century and then gave the impetus to the founding and the continuance of this ministry now that here a hundred years later continues to impact people for Christ, and the calling for all of us to look at that and say, the, the secret sauce is prayer. Yes. And if it. we'll get before our God on our knees and pray, and then once having prayed, go and do, I think we can indeed not only address many of the, the cultural and societal issues that yes. we spoke of earlier, but see God bring about this tremendous end times revival that the word promises us is there waiting for us. But I don't think it's a question of we waiting on God. I think God is waiting on us. Yeah, I think it's the the model of Jesus. They couldn't find him. Where was he? He was alone with God. Mm-hmm. And what did he do? He went out and he, you know, I always tell people, I want to be in the presence of the Lord. I want to, I want to be drenched in who he is. So when I'm out and about, I can be an expression of God's heart and love for people that don't know him. It's the, it's the you know, the old book, I think back in the 80s, Out of the Salt Shaker or something like that. It was a book about getting the church out into the, into the world. And I think, you know, it's like the people that pray for a job and they don't go look for a job. Yeah. Someone's not going to knock on your door. So our philosophy is we pray hard. We agree with God. We worship him well because he's worthy. And then we get up and then we go do. 
Pastor Fry, before time slips away, spend a couple of moments, folks that are maybe new to the San Francisco Bay Area that have been eavesdropping on our conversation thinking, wow, this sounds like the kind of church I'd like to be a part of. Just give us a little bit of a snapshot of life and ministry at The Rock in Danville. Well, I think the the way that I would, you know, it's interesting because in, in the world we have, in the church especially, we have so many different ideas and denominations and things. And I would say our church is is endeavoring to be honest, genuine, joyful pursuers of a God that delights in us. And if people come to our church, they're going to get the truth of God's word, but with a spirit of love and grace and power to change the circumstances. I, I always tell people we are, we are not politically correct. Our goal is not to be this culturally perfected place. Our goal is to love the word and to love people. I had someone ask me, because this is the hot topic of the day, hot buttons of the day. Well, I had a lady just a few weeks ago say, Pastor Rick, if I bring my friend here who is homosexual or who is struggling with their sexual identity, will they be accepted here and, and, and welcomed? And I said, of course. And I even said it to our church one day. I made them all laugh. I said, uh, there's adulterers in our church. There's liars in our church. And let's hope that they're being transformed. But what they won't get is they they might be offended at some point that we would say something from the Bible that cross grains their life. So, so we're 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 not set out to be and pounding and picketing. That's not our heart. But you're going to get you're going to get the word, and you're going to get what I believe is the life of the spirit. I have so many people that come to our church and visit and they just walk in and say wow there i haven't we haven't sang a song we haven't done anything and they go i feel like the presence of the lord is in this place in this sanctuary in this lobby so i i think that's who we are in a nutshell we, we always say an authentic christianity that joyfully pursues a, a loving god who delights in his people Amen. And and delivering a, a message that is as relevant today as it was when yeah. uh, when Christ preached it during his ministry here on earth. Yeah. The Rock Church of Danville meets at 2615 Camino Tassajara. That's in Danville. And uh, you can get more information by simply going online to The Rock CA. Think CA is California. TheRockCA.com. That's TheRockCA.com. Service times are Sunday mornings at 915 a.m. or at 11 a.m. And of course, you'll find something for everyone at the Rock Church. So we invite you to check them out online and then we'll check them out on person, catch a Sunday service. Pastor Rick Fry, Senior Pastor at the Rock of Danville, we sure appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. 
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.